you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Fast Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight on Fast, the Dow is inching toward 25K as tax cuts become the real deal. But if you missed the move, we've got a top technician with three Dow stocks he says are a screaming buy, even at record highs. Plus, the Bitcoin civil war rages on. Coinbase adding Bitcoin Cash to its platform, sending the crypto world and Twitter into a frenzy. It's Bitcoin Cash versus Bitcoin. So what's the difference? We'll break it down. Plus, the man both hated and loved in the crypto community, Roger Veer, the CEO of Bitcoin.com and the Bitcoin Cash Evangelist, one-time Bitcoin Jesus, will be here to tell us why he thinks this is just the beginning of the rise of Bitcoin Cash. And in honor of Bitcoin Cash being added to Coinbase, we're going to switch the bug. Yes, switch it. From Bitcoin to Bitcoin Cash, as you see there, the newly added coin has been extremely volatile since being added to the platform. It's a crazy, crazy crypto world out there. And because it's such a big night, we enlisted a little special help on the desk. we got Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Steve Grasso, Brian Kelly, and Guy Adami. We're going really large tonight on Fast here. (laughs) But first, we start with the tax cut. All of Wall Street has been waiting for finally here as both chambers of Congress passed the bill and President Trump took a victory lap at the White House. Elon Moyes in D.C. with all the details. Elon. Melissa, it was a Washington love fest there at the White House with many people thinking that Republicans would not actually get this done before Christmas. But the party rallied around this bill. They put aside some of the infighting that had plagued the GOP earlier in this year to stand behind the president. It's been uh, an amazing experience, I have to tell you. Hasn't been done in 34 years, but actually really hasn't been done because we broke every record. It's the largest, I always say the most massive, but it's the largest tax cut in the history of our country and reform, but tax cut. Now, it isn't quite the biggest tax cut ever, but it is a very large reduction in the corporate rate. And there are also some sweeping changes on the international side. And Republicans say this is all going to encourage companies to invest more money in the U.S. and also to raise worker wages. And there is some anecdotal evidence out today that they can point to as signs of success with Wells Fargo, Fifth Third, all announcing that they're going to rise, uh, raise workers' wages. And AT&T also announcing that it is going to invest a billion dollars in the U.S. in 2018 and give 200,000 workers a $1,000 bonus. Now, there is a little catch to that. Those workers only get that $1,000 if the president signs this bill before Christmas. That's the only way these workers get this before the holiday. President Trump didn't actually sign the bill today, and it's unclear when he's going to do it. But Republican officials do assure us he will put pen to paper soon and make it all official, Melissa. All right, Elon, thank you. Elon Moy in Washington. So now the tax cuts are finally here. Is there still time to buy this tax rally? And what can you buy right now? Let's go tax rally stock picking guy. Yeah, I think the answer is yes. And it's not just AT&T. Fifth Third announced they're going to raise their minimum wage to $15. I think they're giving a special bonus. Wells Fargo did the same thing. So on the margins, that's a really good thing. The answer to your question, nothing's changed in terms of the market. Stay the course. Yes, it's a benign day. Financials traded off a little bit. Maybe that's sort of sell the fact type of thing. But I still think 
Deep industrial stocks work. Uh, transports have been on fire. Federal Express is still too cheap in terms of valuation, especially after what they said last night. So the things that have been working, in my opinion, continue to work. Tim. Yeah, something like Dollar General, where you take an effective tax rate from 36 down to 21 percent. These guys also, if you listen to the analysts on the street, what they're now falling through and being able to do is not just put price in corporate taxes, but talk about the consumption impact and the demand side of this. And, and that's at least they're playing around with those numbers, whether they're right or wrong. Part of the argument here for domestic and consumption plays, food retailers, big box, is because the consumption story is supposed to get better. Um, look at refiners, too. They've been on a big, big roll. Energy has been a great place to be investing. And they are U.S. dollar cash earners. They are places where these guys really ultimately get that huge benefit from the tax, uh, whereas the integrateds and some of those names really don't because they're making a lot of their money offshore. Karen? So I, I think it's probably a sell the news kind of thing, but I don't want to realize gains. So I like everything I own. I like the banks. I don't really care if they traded off a little bit today, but I felt like with, with the volatility index here, it touched south of nine today. Mm-hmm. I just felt like I had to buy some protection if I want to stay long this market. So for me, I look a couple months out, buy some spider puts, maybe one or two percent out of the money. I thought those were very attractive. It allows me to stay long, sleep at night. How much of your portfolio would you be hedging with that? So in other words, how big is that position? How is it supposed to cover? It's probably going to work its way up to like four or five percent. That's the max. Mm -hmm. But you know exactly what you're going to lose. You're not short the market. You have your premium. You know what you're going to lose. So I want to stay long stocks, but that helps me sleep better at night. I would say that I'm in Karen's camp. I think it is going to be a somewhat of a sell the news type event. It's going to be a rotation, though. I believe that's going to be the overarching theme. I think you could stay with retail stocks. I think Q1 and Q2 are going to be easy comps for retail. And I think you can go into, to Tim's point, energy. I have not seen any bids in energy until today. So you're going to have to wait a couple of days. But I think those two rotations, retail and energy, I think you still have room. I have a stupid question. There no are stupid no questions. Stupid questions. I knew you guys were going to say that. You that guys are so that good. The rest of them are not. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Grasso. Um, when you say it's a sell the news event, when when is that moment in time? Because I would argue that the moment it's, in time was yesterday or it was today. So there's a lot of considerations. A, Probably today or since it's five o'clock and the market's closed. Maybe tomorrow mm-hmm. if you want to take some profits in it. Again, you have the tax considerations that Karen talked about. I was a little disappointed in the action today. You know, we've argued about whether or not this is priced in. So now we have the deal and you didn't get a rally. It's only one day. So maybe we're starting to get to the point that it's priced in. That being said, I think there's places to go. I want to look at the next things that are going to happen. I want to look at infrastructure. I want to be in Cat Tractor. I want to be in John Deere. Those, to me, are going to be the names F- in F- 2008 I mean, but, that we look But Caterpillar, at. talk about having priced it in. I mean, Caterpillar's gone to the moon. And still going. And, 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 it's going to Mars now. Well, I mean, it... it I hear you. Um, to me, the infrastructure story is one that largely, first of all, we haven't really had an announcement on that. You just had this implied um, sense that a lot of these companies are doing better. What we're seeing, I think, in the ag space is, is certainly part of that. I, I would just say, look at what rates did today, though. You're at 250 on the 10-year. Mm-hmm. Everyone can say what they want about EPS for the S&P, whether it's now 155, 160, 150. But if you do that with a 10-year that's a 275 or 3, you have a very different argument for the stock market than you do at 250. This move in the 10-year yield, does that make the case for banks stronger, especially amidst this rotation? It's fascinating. We have Tony Dwyer on, and he'll tell you that the the flattening yield curve, in in fact, is still bullish for a period of time. And then you have people say that the steepening yield curve is bullish for the exact same reasons or different reasons. So effectively, everything's bullish for the market in terms of yields. 
I would suggest it's probably it should be a good a steepening yield curve by definition has to be good for the banks. But as we saw previously, when the yield curve was 53 basis points from twos to tens, banks were exploding to the upside as well. So there doesn't that seem was to be regu- an That was regulation, right too. So the, well, yeah. the lack of regulation was a huge part of it. But, but I think this, when I say it's a sell-the-news type event, I think it's a short-term sell-the-news type of event. And I think once you get into 2018... People are going to start to see that earnings are going to ratchet up. So the and you're going to start to see those that we were triggers. All expecting through the end of the year, it, that stops? I, I think you're going to see rotation. So I think that mm-hmm. large cap tech trade that has gone so far for years and years and years right. is going to take a powder. But I think once you start 2018, maybe the second quarter, they'll get back on those fang names again. All right. Well, with the Dow still near record levels, our next guest says there are three names in the index you might want to buy right now. Let's go off the charts with Rich Ross of Evercore ISI to find out what they are. Hi, Rich. Hi, Melissa. Look, with the Dow and markets at record highs, I've got three very strong buys, and it all starts with Microsoft. Let's go and look at this long-term chart. It really doesn't get any better than this big 17-year base of support, okay? And we break out on an absolute basis. You've seen that. This is the most massive base, as the president might say. But more importantly, look at the relative to the S&P. Once again, a breakout relatively and absolutely to a 17-year high. That's compelling. You don't see that every day. Let's keep the late 90s wreck of big cap tech moving here into Intel. You know the name. And it's similarly bullish here. You've got this multi-year base of support into one of our favorite continuation patterns. The bullish flag. Now we bought the dip in chips and we're going to buy the rip. This stock can go to $60. So Microsoft and Intel are at the top of your list. Now from tech to Texas, we're going to take the other side of that trade. As Steve alluded to, this is Chevron, a dogs of the Dow up about two, three percent year to date. So that's a laggard. That's all going to change next year. You can see bullish cup and handle here. You've got crude itself testing $60. You're going to get a breakout early next year. You saw what happened today with that whiff of inflation in the air. Chevron is a stock that's going to go from an underperformer in 17 to an outperformer in 18. It's a great way to play this burgeoning rally in the energy sector. So two from tech, one from Texas, three strong buys, great ways to play the Dow at record highs. All right. Come on over, Is there Rich. room for him? Great. Yeah. I know. I don't know how we're going to stuff you in here, but, but we look forward to it. I think there's some room over there between Brian and Guy. Come on. <laughs> yeah. The more the Wouldn't merrier. You like Wouldn't you like that? <laughs> Do these picks say anything about the sectors in, of which they are part? Look, they say a lot. There's a big narrative in the market. People think, to Steve's point, that this sort of rise in interest rates and value overgrowth, it's going to, tech is going to be used as a source of funds. I go the other way. You know where I stand. It's guns and butter at the same time, growth <laughs> and value, tech and banks, small and large, foreign and domestic. This is a strong bull market like we haven't seen since 96. Microsoft went up 95% in 1996. I'm not selling Microsoft to buy Chevron. I'm buying a bull. So, Rich, those three charts, to me, had three different characteristics. Microsoft just looks like a continuation. You've got Intel that over the last couple of days have skyrocketed, and Chevron maybe has not broken out of that pattern that you mentioned. So, of those three, it, which one do you prefer as a technical analyst? Is, is there one that's a stronger pattern to you? Well, there, look, there's two schools of thought here. I'm a classic trend follower. I think in a bull market, strength tends to beget strength. So a stock like Microsoft doesn't scare me off. It's my favorite. You know, we talk about a trillion-dollar market cap for Apple. Microsoft, there's a roadmap to get there. Our analyst, Kirk Matern, best on the street, he thinks we get there. That's 50% upside from current levels. So Microsoft is compelling. But energy, Chevron, that's a sector that's on the come here. You saw a little preview of that today. Crude's going to have a six-handle pretty soon. When the calendar turns, you're going to change the way that you look at those energy stocks. 
We were having a little bit of a debate on the desk about whether or not tax was a buy the rumor, sell the news sort of event. Is there anything in the charts which would suggest that a sell the news, even small, even brief, is in the cards? I don't think so. Look, you can't dance through the raindrops here. The key point for me is that the backdrop is so compelling here what does that, that, that to think that to try to get too cute with a setup that's this strong is just going to cost you more money than it's going to save. Look, we, we clearly are on a heater here into year end. When the calendar turns, you could see some profit taking. We, we always see some volatility in January, some repositioning, some false starts. But that being said, don't get fooled on into a sell the news. This is a strong tape. You want to be a buyer. So what is the what is the most likely thing that could derail this story? Look, I think while I am very optimistic on technology, 25 percent of the market, if tech is viewed as that sorts of funds, you've seen some, some of those antitrust concerns over Facebook, some of the names over in Europe. If tech is sold to buy other sectors, the S&P itself is not going to have the same brio, the same lift that we saw this year. But once again, that's something I call. That's just the risk. Rich, great to see you. Merry you. Christmas. Happy, you. Holidays. Happy holidays. Rich Ross, Evercore, ISI. Should, Guy! should stay there because now it's... <laughs> now it's even. Now symmetrical. It's, yeah. I know it bothers you that it was, no, it's it not been symmetrical because you, you just appreciate stay, just symmetry. Leave him there. He doesn't have to talk. Just leave him. Yes, Mel, <laughs> what can I do for you? I like, you like listen, I understand the like Chevron thing. I would suggest that Chevron is more expensive than ExxonMobil. They've effectively had the same year. I think if you want to play energy, in my opinion, Exxon's a cheaper way to go. But I understand what Rich is saying in terms of the breakdown of Chevron. What'd you do today? So for me, I'm watching the home builders on a, on a down tape. These are names that are up. Existing home sales, 11-year high. And you watch these names like Pulte and KB. I'm still long Pulte holding on to that. It's up over 80% year to date. They have a lot more room. The housing recovery is still in the early innings. Still ahead, the so-called Bitcoin Jesus, Roger Veer, is here. He'll tell us what it means now that Bitcoin Cash is on Coinbase and check out how it's moving right now. It's moving higher. Look, where's the bug? He'll tell us just how high he sees it going. Plus, sticking with the coin, TD Ameritrade uh, hopping onto the crypto craze, offering Bitcoin futures trading. Just how big does the online broker think the cryptocurrency could get? CEO Tim Hockey will join us here on set. And later, check out shares of Bed Bath & Beyond surging after hours following its earnings report, only to then now fall into negative territory. We'll bring you all the details behind that move when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Yankees, Red Sox, Ali versus Frazier. Biggie and Tupac. Oh, nice. Those rivalries pale in comparison (laughs) to perhaps the most contentious of them all, the Bitcoin Civil War. That's right, the Bitcoin Civil War. First there was Bitcoin, then there was a split, and that's where Bitcoin Cash comes in. And since then, it's been an all-out battle between the two. Now, to be clear, on this desk, we do not care which cryptocurrency does better. We're simply talking about what's going on in these markets. And now that Coinbase has officially added Bitcoin Cash to its platform, we thought it's the perfect time to break down the differences between the two. So BK's over at the Plasma with the backstory. Hi, Beeks. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go through these two. And I'm going to try to explain it very simply about what this split was about. But the split between Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash ultimately is about how you scale this. How to, The Bitcoin network was so popular that you needed to make it bigger. So really it came down to the size of the blocks. And you might want to think of the size of the blocks as the memory in your computer in a sense. Also comes down to the immediate transaction speed going on today. Those two also feed into what you might pay on the network. So you do have to pay something to the miners to send $1 from BK to Guy. You have to pay different amounts. And those fees are dependent on how full the blocks are, how fast it is, 
how many miners are out there, how big the network effect is. And then, of course, there is the network effect. Notoriety is somewhat interesting uh, in this case because there is a bit of a, a controversy over this. It is a bit of a civil war. So let's dig down a little bit more into this and see what the difference is between Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. So the block size, or let's call it the memory size. Bitcoin today is at two megabytes. Bitcoin Cash moved it up to eight megabytes. That means you can do more transactions every 10 minutes on the system as it is today. So we look at transactions. Right now, Bitcoin's about three to seven seconds, three to seven transactions per second. Bitcoin Cash is 24 per second. Just to be clear, this isn't even close to what Visa does. So there needs to be another solution as to scale this, and that's what Bitcoin has. But let's look at the prices. I did a transaction today, cost me about 10 bucks on Bitcoin, cost me about a dollar on Bitcoin Cash. That's the difference you're seeing immediately. Now, net Bitcoin has a much bigger network. It is accepted many other places. There's a massive development team on top of it, and they're building stuff called like the Lightning Network, which is actually the scaling solution for Bitcoin. Bitcoin Cash has a much smaller network. It has a ways to go in developing that, and that takes some time. So that's the basic two differences uh, between these. So the other thing I want to say is that I don't care which one wins. I don't have a dog in this fight. I own both of them. I think there's a place for both of them to win. So anybody who's looking at this and, and thinks that I'm trying to say one or the other, it is not true. I like them both. Karen's got a question. I got a question. Is there some number of market cap, some critical mass that Bitcoin Cash would have to reach for, for the networking effect to move over to Bitcoin Cash? Or is Bitcoin um, too far so ahead? I personally view a world where they can both serve two different functions. Bitcoin serves as a settlement layer, and Bitcoin search cash serves as a transactional currency. That's my personal view. I'd like to see them both get along. I think if that happens, it doesn't really, you don't have to have this rivalry, and it doesn't have to be a market cap that one wins versus the other. All right. Thanks, BK, for that breakdown. Very eloquent. And now the man who called the rise in Bitcoin cash otherwise known as Bitcoin Jesus, a.k.a. Roger Veer. He'll be here right after this break. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. Vegas, baby, Vegas! That's right, baby, because Sin City stocks are heating up, and there's one stock the traders want to double down on. We'll explain. Plus, in the beginning, there was one. At Gisson of Montreal, Quebec. Well, at Gisson of Montreal, Quebec, you are now one of 200,000 Fast Money Twitter followers. Thank you, Fast Money fans, for your support of America's post-market show. And join us at CNBC Fast Money. And no, the account is not run by an intern. Welcome back to Fast Money. Bitcoin Cash officially getting added to Coinbase last night and surging nearly 50% today, igniting a firestorm in the crypto community. For more, let's bring in a man who went against the grain as one of the biggest supporters of Bitcoin Cash. He's known as Bitcoin Jesus because he was one of the first investors in Bitcoin itself. Roger Veer joins us now on the phone. Roger, great to have you back on Fast Money. Thank you for having me again. You made very clear your preference for, for Bitcoin Cash and why you saw the future for Bitcoin Cash. Does the addition of Bitcoin Cash to Coinbase accelerate sort of your doomsday calls for Bitcoin itself? Um, of course, it's just, it accelerates the adoption of Bitcoin Cash. Bitcoin Cash has all of the characteristics that attracted me to Bitcoin in the very first place. 
and back in 2011 and what led me to become the very first person in the world to start investing in cryptocurrency startups. And those characteristics are that it's you know, fast, cheap uh, to use, and reliable. And Bitcoin Core and their development team have intentionally made Bitcoin Core slow, expensive to use, and unreliable. So if you have two versions of Bitcoin, one that's fast, cheap to use, and reliable, and the other that's slow, expensive to use, and unreliable, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out which one of those two versions of Bitcoin is going to be more popular. And it's clearly Bitcoin Cash. You know, we've been following here on this show Bitcoin since probably around 2012. I, I consider myself a neophyte compared, obviously, to you and, and Brian Kelly here on the desk and so many others out there. But here's what, what really caught me off guard. The the sort of polarized community when it comes to Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin. Is there not a world, Roger, where both can exist? Um, there should be, but uh, it's really, really, really dangerous for Bitcoin Core holders because of the way the mining difficulty algorithm adjusts for Bitcoin Core. If Bitcoin Cash becomes popular enough and siphons away enough of the, the mining hash rate from Bitcoin Core in a short enough period of time, Bitcoin cores and really, really, really big danger of coming to a screeching halt altogether. So I've been involved in Bitcoin for about seven years now. That entire time, I've always been telling people to hold your Bitcoins and your cryptocurrencies on your own device where you're in control. Right now may be the only time where that's actually bad advice. You may want to consider holding your Bitcoins on an exchange. So if there's this mass exodus of people rushing for the door, your money will already be on the exchange. So you can sell your Bitcoin core coins for more Bitcoin cash or whatever else you want, you'll actually still be able to get something from them. Whereas if they're stuck on your own phone or your own computer and everybody's running to the door because the hash rate is disappearing from Bitcoin Core and moving over to Bitcoin Cash, it'll be too late at that point to move your Bitcoins from your own wallet onto an exchange. So you'll so, wind up getting nothing instead of something. I mean, that that's frightening. So you, basically, it sounds like it's almost like a I don't want to say a run on the bank. It's not quite equivalent, but this notion that there could some, be something that happens almost instantaneously and you'll want out of Bitcoin like that. That's what you're pre- predicting? Uh, I'm predicting that that may happen. And okay. if you look at it right now, the average fee on Bitcoin is more than $30 today. Uh, and there's more than a quarter of a million Bitcoin transactions waiting to be included in blocks. That means you have somewhere around a quarter of a million angry and unhappy Bitcoin core users. So if they're a uh, getting a bad experience that costs a lot of money, they're likely to switch to something else. And if they switch to Bitcoin Cash, that'll siphon away the hash rate from Bitcoin Core, which could make this uh, doomsday scenario become possible. And uh, what, a, what a terrifying thing to be if you're holding a, a, a lot of Bitcoin Core. Hey, Roger, it's Brian Kelly. So I, I'm curious, I just did a thing, the comparison between uh, the two coins, and it struck me in that, that both of the coins still have a long way to go before we can scale to the level of Visa or MasterCard. Um, and, you know, Bitcoin itself and the core developers are some of the best in the world are going towards the Lightning Network. Can you tell me what the plan is for Bitcoin Cash and scalability? If it gets as popular as you think it is, wouldn't it end up the same way as Bitcoin is today? Well, I'd like to take exception to your first comment that the Bitcoin core developers are some of the best in the world. Uh, that's absolutely clearly not true. They took Bitcoin that used to have fast, uh, reliable, cheap uh, comp transactions on chain, and they've turned it into this incredibly congested network that's been running at 100% capacity for months that provides a horrible user experience. And in that time, the Bitcoin uh, market share went from nearly 100% of the crypto coin market space down to way less than 50% now. So, uh, by, by those standards, I think they're probably one of the worst development teams in the entire crypto coin uh, ecosystem. So and in regards to the Lightning Network and their plan for future scaling, all of those things that they want to do in regards to Lightning Network and Layer 2 will work better, faster, and cheaper on top of Bitcoin Cash because there's more room in the blocks for everything to happen, and the blocks will be happening 
uh, more reliably, and their transactions can be included in the blocks more reliably. So all of these things that they're working on uh, can work better on Bitcoin Cash. So Bitcoin Cash is a better solution all the way around and is much more in tune with what was originally laid out for the roadmap of Bitcoin to begin with, which was permissionless, worldwide, fast, uh, cheap, reliable transactions. And that's what Bitcoin Cash provides. And Bitcoin Core is providing the exact opposite of that. In terms of um, scaling and, and greater acceptance, Roger, I understand that the addition of, of Bitcoin Cash to Coinbase was very important. But now Coinbase is investigating possible insider trading. Uh, is it your take that perhaps there needs to be regulation of these exchanges and these online trading platforms? Is it enough for Coinbase to say we're going to launch our own investigation into this and, and that should be sufficient for all you retail traders who are now uh, you know, trading in Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash? And I ask you this because maybe this sours investors out there from crypto and that in the end would be bad for your thesis, wouldn't it? Um, I think insider trading is, is a non-crime. Uh, if you look at it, let's say a bunch of people had traded in advance, um, then the price wouldn't have been nearly as volatile. The price would already be much more closely reflect what the market price would be after the news became public. And so, uh, no, I don't think that that should be an excuse for, for additional regulation on these Bitcoin exchanges. They're already being regulated pretty heavily. And at the end of the day, um, buyers, buyers need to be aware of whatever service they're using, whether it's a Bitcoin exchange or whether it's a, a coffee shop that's making your coffee. Uh, you know, be careful and and take a look at what you're doing, and don't depend on the government to keep you safe from everything out there in the world. Uh, and so, Roger, going forward, what what is the, the plan here for the acceptance? Because, again, when I went through that and I said, you know, there's a smaller network effect here uh, for Bitcoin Cash, what's, what's the plan from your point of view for growing that network effect? Um, the plan is more of exactly what worked for Bitcoin in the in the early days is providing a wonderful user experience where anyone can send and receive any amount of money instantly, basically for free, and nobody can stop it. And so now we have uh, all these businesses that used to be Bitcoin-only businesses. Once the Bitcoin core team succeeded in making Bitcoin less usable, uh, they've started integrating altcoins. So we've seen uh, the likes of Blockchain.info, the world's most popular Bitcoin, Ethereum, and now Bitcoin Cash Wallet, has added all of those, whereas previously they were only a Bitcoin wallet. We saw the same thing happen with uh, Coinbase. We've seen the same thing happen with BitPay. And we've seen the same thing happen with Bitcoin.com. All these businesses uh, and people that are actually trying to use Bitcoin in commerce, they aren't stupid. They realize that if the fees are more than $30 and you have to wait you know, days or weeks or maybe never for your transaction to go through, well, Bitcoin Core is not useful in commerce anymore. They're going to start using something else. And uh, at the moment, that something else seems very clearly to be Bitcoin Cash. I want to ask you about Charlie Lee selling all his Litecoin. Charlie Lee, of course, being the creator of Litecoin. Does it make sense that he wants to get rid of this because of a conflict of interest? Um, I have no idea, but Charlie Lee should be free to do whatever he wants with his own Litecoins. They're his. And if he wants to sell them, that's fine. If he wants to buy more, that's fine. It doesn't affect me one bit. But I don't really see Litecoin as being nearly as interesting uh, it's a competitor to Bitcoin Core, I suppose, but Bitcoin Cash is, uh, is an even better version. And one really interesting point that Charlie May- Lee did make previously, he said that Bitcoin shouldn't raise the block size, referring to Bitcoin Core. But if Litecoin ever wound up having full blocks, he would just uh, raise the block size. So I guess uh, kudos to him for saying, you know, do as I say, not as I do. And uh, Litecoin is right there trying to eat away at Bitcoin Core's market share as well. So if I had a, a competing currency to Bitcoin Core, maybe... Maybe I would give them bad advice, too. I, I wouldn't, actually, but that seems to be clearly what Charlie Lee has done. He gave Bitcoin Core a bunch of bad advice that crippled Bitcoin Core and made uh, Litecoin in a, in a position to pick up some of the slack that he uh, created by giving bad advice to Bitcoin Core. All right. Roger, thanks so much for coming in. Always great to get your analysis of things. Roger Veer of Bitcoin.com. 
Um, I'll go to you, BK, because sure. I asked him the Let's question, <laughs> can the two coexist? Do you think the two can coexist? Why, why are people on Twitter so polarized so, about this? Yeah, so I mean, a, a lot of this has a lot less to do about the technical specifications and more about the decision process uh, in how, how a community comes together and forms consensus. And that's really what, to me, what's been happening over the last several years is there's been a dispute about how a community comes together and says, this is how we're going to move forward. The solution in this case was to split the community into two different coins. Uh, I'm not qualified to say which one is technically better. Uh, I'll leave that up to, to the developers. So let me ask you, BK, could it be something more mundane, like there's so much more money at risk in Bitcoin because the market cap is so much bigger than Bitcoin Cash, and it's purely an issue of, you know, wanting to, well, yeah, or, or for the community wanting to keep the value. Right. I, Bitcoin. I, 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 so economics are a big driver of this entire thing. I mean, the I, whole idea of having a token like Bitcoin is to change the economic system. So a lot of people who got into this early have, have you know, are in it because they want to change the economic system. They want to change the uh, inequalities. And so they, they're now at this point where they're trying to protect what they got into a long time ago. So, yes, I think economics play a big role in it. Still ahead, the Bitcoin boom doesn't stop. After the break, we'll talk to TD Ameritrade CEO Tim Hockey in his first interview since adding Bitcoin futures to his platform. We've got much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. we got a news alert on CNBC's parent company, Comcast. Let's get to Meg Terrell. Hi, Meg. Hey, Melissa. It looks like Comcast, our parent company, is joining the slew of companies announcing things after the passage of the tax reform package here, uh, saying, saying essentially based on the passage of tax reform and the FCC's action on broadband, uh, the CEO announced the company would award special $1,000 bonuses to more than 100,000 eligible frontline and non-executive employees. Uh, also saying here the company expects to spend well in excess of $50 billion over the next five years investing in infrastructure to radically improve and expand or extend our broad uh, band plant and capacity, uh, as well as television, film, and theme park offerings, uh, guys. So seeing another announcement here from our parent company, Comcast, uh, after the tax reform news today. Mal, back to you. What was that number again, Meg, on how much additional they will spend? Uh, well in excess of $50 billion in excess. over the next okay. five years. All right, Meg, thanks a lot for that, Meg Terrell. And of course, the uh, immediate expensing of, of capital expenditures plays a role. And we heard AT&T earlier today announcing that they're going to spend an additional $1 billion in, in capital expenditures. Sounds like you're getting your infrastructure plan, whether or not you get the infrastructure plan or not. It sounds like they're going to kiss the ring. Yep. They're going to do what they have to do. They got the money. They get the corporate tax cut. And now for whatever going forward, their business opportunities, they're going to make sure that they're in lockstep or they have the approval of the White House. Yeah, corporate America is, is drooling right now. And giving $1,000 checks is, is really, I mean, going to pull a lot of consumption forward. I don't think this is that big a deal. I do think, and this is not Comcast, a lot of the companies that you've heard about, the guys that jumped to the front of the line, are the guys that are having the biggest war with the government. So, um, you know, I, I think Steve makes a great point. Infrastructure in the telecom sector, I mean, follow the, follow the, the flows there. I mean, that's copper, um, that's materials, and, and I think that's what you should be investing in now. Look at Freeport. Look at the breakout in Freeport. Look at the breakout in U.S. Steel. The, these are related to that. And for all the this, you know, scut that companies are going to get because they're not going to spend their money by hiring workers. This is effectively, you are hiring workers here, right? You're creating you're giving them jobs. A raise. Totally. You're yeah. giving you're, them a raise. You're giving them a raise. Well, you're giving yeah. them a raise and to the bonus. But also, when you're, when you're, when AT&T is spending a billion dollars extra to lay cable or whatever they're going to do, 5G. fiber, 5G. right, somebody's got to make it. Somebody's got to lay it, right? 
And to Tim's point about Freeport McMurray, it's two and a half weeks ago where copper, the commodity, was getting obliterated. And on that day, we mentioned it, FCX was up about three and a half percent. And we talked about tell. Since then, the stock has gone, I think, from 14 handle to where it's currently trading. So sometimes the market gives you a gift. And Freeport is probably still cheap right here. I actually think this might have an impact on the Fed. Now, it's going to sound a little crazy, but if Comcast, is, this is a trend, then the wage pressures are going to be start, start to go up, and the Fed might be behind the curve. Mm. So they might have to hike more. Mm. All right, still ahead. Professional sports teams are hitting the strip in Las Vegas, and it's giving casino stocks a boost. Are the traders rolling the dice on any of these names? We've got the details. Plus, the CEO, TD Ameritrade, is here for his first interview since Bitcoin futures started trading on his platform. We'll talk about the crypto craze and much, much more when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Take a look at the surge in the online broker stocks over the past three months. Some of these names soaring past their all-time highs in the late 90s as the bull market rages on and Bitcoin fever spreads to the retail investor. Our Bob Pisani is at the NYSE with all the details. Hi, Bob. Hi, Melissa. After years of muted trading activity, the retail investor appears to be waking up and Bitcoin can claim part of the credit. Now, the e-brokers have been rallying recently, especially since the tax cuts got real at the end of November. And with good reason. Here's what's going on. First, there's more trading activity. All the brokers are reporting that daily avenue revenue trades, that's the darts, a measure of trading activity, has been up in November over October. Up 15% for E-Trade, 12% for Ameritrade, 14% for Interactive Brokers, 8% for Schwab. Second, new assets are increasing. Investors are putting more money in their accounts. Schwab, for example, has record levels of net new assets. Third, higher interest rates, big help. Clients keep cash in these trading accounts. And as interest rates rise, the e-brokers make more money because they're very stingy giving you the higher interest rates for their cash. They keep it. Fourth, there's the benefit of tax cuts. Sandler O'Neill estimates that brokers will see an 18 to 20% increase in earnings under this tax-friendly scenario. Finally, I think it's fair to give Bitcoin some credit. Bitcoin futures have slowly rolled out, but the ecosystem around Bitcoin, particularly any stocks associated with Bitcoin, have seen very, very heavy trading activity. And the Bitcoin news keeps coming. ICE, the parent company of the New York Stock Exchange, has filed for a Bitcoin ETF with the SEC. Put it all together, it means profits are higher. Sandler O'Neill's Rich Rapetto, he's the big analyst in this space. He recently increased his 2018 and 2019 earnings estimates for E-Trade and Schwab and TD Ameritrade. Back to you, Melissa. All right. Thank you very much, Bob Pisani. Well, the world's largest online futures brokerage went live with Bitcoin futures just this week. Let's bring in Tim Hockey, the CEO uh, and president of TD Ameritrade. Tim, great to have you with us. Thanks for um, What has been the uptake been in terms of the desire to trade futures on TD Ameritrade for Bitcoin? Well, remember, this is only day three for us. Uh, But having said that, uh, we saw the interest fairly early uh, and we got prepared and we started trading on Monday. What we've seen is uh, a serious increase in the number of inquiries that we're getting from all of our clients. But and they do skew a little younger, as uh, as you were discussing on your show. But uh, just to put some numbers around it, we've seen probably a threefold increase in activity and interest uh, vis-a-vis futures trading. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just an account uh, opening and on the about a fivefold increase in terms of education around futures themselves. So uh, lots of activity. 
You mentioned that these clients tend to be younger. Who Can you give us any more details on who these people are? Are they people who have equity trading accounts who are lured into Bitcoin? Are they people who are only interested in, in trading Bitcoin futures? Is there some notion that you can sort of attract Bitcoin people into New the equity opens. world or attract equity people into yeah. the Bitcoin futures well, world? It's, uh, first of all, it's broad-based. There mm-hmm. isn't anybody on the planet that hasn't heard about it, it seems, these days. Uh, there is a uh, euphoria uh, around it. But, you know, remember, it, it, at all times, we open about 42% of our accounts are, are millennials. And so uh, there's that factor uh, first. Then, and in fact, we've limited our trading to date to those clients who are actually already uh, futures traders, are, are very liquid, they are, understand their risks, and we will expand that out over time. Um, but uh, there is very much interest from people who have never traded in equity, uh, certainly never traded a cryptocurrency because they couldn't. Uh, and, uh, and so they're, they're saying I, there's, this, there's this fear of missing out issue that everybody's talking about because they're going to holiday cocktail parties and they're hearing all about it. So they're saying, how do I get in? So there's a lot of great things going on right now in your business. The market's high, people are employed, there's this Bitcoin interest, and rates are moving higher. Mm-hmm. Of all of those things, what's the most important to your business to drive profitability? Generally, I say the, the, the short-term uh, answer is interest rates. The longer-term answer, of course, is uh, clients who are interested in taking uh, interest in their own financial future, either trading or investing uh, for, to be better off in the future. And that's what we're focused on in the long term. Interest rates clearly, whether it be the Fed fund rates or the, or the, the yield curve generally, it goes up and, and we do better on client cash, as was mentioned earlier. At this moment in time, what's a bigger driver of interest in trading? Is it something like Bitcoin, where we're seeing everybody, I mean, everybody on the street talking about Bitcoin, or is it Dow 25K? Mm-hmm. It's clearly Bitcoin. Uh, really? Uh, sure. Uh, Dow 25K is something that, uh, uh, honestly, it feels like it's sort of taken for granted because we've had this inexorable, you know, how many daily uh, uh, closes at, at records. Mm-hmm. So that's not fun and interesting. Everybody wants to talk about Bitcoin. doesn't mean that everybody is actually trading it. Of course, they can't yet. That's why there's a pent-up demand. But in terms of the, the buzz, well, just look at how much time you're spending talking about it. I was, I was joking earlier, we just had the biggest tax cut in 34 years, and we're talking here about the difference between Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, right? I mean, <laughs> that shows you how much buzz there is around it. Yeah. Um, in terms of millennials, you know, there have been so many surveys out there saying that millennials don't want to trade stocks, they're not interested in stocks, but they are interested in Bitcoin. Um, why do you think that is, and is that important for your business? Because otherwise, these are people who you might not necessarily... No get on your platform? Yeah, well, as I said earlier, I I don't think that it is what it is. 42% of our clients for the last number of years are millennials. And so they are Uh 42% of our new clients uh, are are millennials. But they like to trade what they know. And so what do they know? They know tech stocks. Uh, So why did we see all the activity we did around, whether it be Facebook or this past year, uh, Snap? You see a flurry of activity and it skews younger. Bitcoin, same thing, technology. uh, And so as a result, there's a high degree of interest and and it is an entry point into markets and trading generally. And from that, with the right education, with the right help, um, then it'll probably expand into investing more generally. Last quick question, Tim. And for 2018, as you look out, uh, you look out at your EPS estimates, are we going to get to a point next year where you're going to revise higher? You're going to say, you know what, Bitcoin futures was a bigger impact than we thought and tax was bigger than we thought. Uh, well, let's, the easy one is I, I don't, sitting here today, think that Bitcoin is going to move the needle for us. Okay. Uh, it is certainly uh, hype and euphoria, um, but I don't, it just won't generate. Remember, we generate about three quarters of a million trades a day. 
uh, that's, a, that's a very large number uh, relative to the current uh, volumes that are coming out of Bitcoin. And I don't think even with this uh, uh, euphoria that we're seeing, as the markets open up and additional products come to market, that we'll see that number move much. Um, relative to other reasons for uh, changing our own guidance, well, if we were going to do that, I wouldn't talk about it here. Uh, but having said that, as you We're say, there, it's, you public. It is no, public. it's public. It's public. This yeah. would be public disclosure. If yeah, you did. of course. Uh, <laughs> um, but I'd say, look, there. You mentioned it earlier. There are some great tailwinds, right? We have rising interest rates. Uh, remember, in our case, it's idiosyncratic to us, but we have this great deal with Scott Trade that we just closed, and we're uh, planning to do an integration in the first quarter. Uh, that's going well from our point of view. So. There's all of these things that we are quite happy about in terms of our future, and we see uh, bright roads ahead. Tim, good to see you. Thanks for coming by. Tim Hockey, CEO and president of TD Ameritrade. Guy Downey, where are you seeing on online This price of 27 million shares secondary Ameritrade, a 51 and a half. Stock traded well off the back of that. They have probably 35% EPS growth. Tim can speak to that. So valuation-wise, it's a cheap stock, and they're in the right space. So what does it mean for the stock? It means the stock continues to go higher, in my opinion. If you look at the online traders, uh, Ameritrade has underperformed. I like the catch-up trade here, especially when you looked at what Bapasani, the entry point was. They are the second on the daily active users. I like them as a catch-up. Still ahead, check out shares of PG&E tanking in the after-hour session. The company suspending its dividend, citing the California wildfires. We'll bring you all the details next. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got a market flash here on PG&E. Excuse me. The stock is sinking in the after-hour session. The electric company based out of San Francisco cutting its dividend, citing uncertainty uh, related to ca- causes and potential liability associated with the northern California wildfires. Uh, this obviously could have a snowball effect. There are a lot of ETFs, dividend ETFs, dividend mutual funds. You might have to sell. Karen and I were just chatting about this, Tim, um, because of the suspension of the dividend. Yeah, look, I mean, this is this is part of the reason why utilities. I mean, they, these are not necessarily companies that can make big adjustments in their earnings profile, especially when they have these types of events. So they're due to pay 53 cents fourth quarter. They have not announced this yet. Um, this is certainly an announcement that I think caught people by surprise. Um, but if you look at the stock, it had been selling off going into this number almost on the expectation that this was about to happen to them. And the preferred also suspending the dividend as well, yes. which you don't see. Too often. That, that often. Yeah, right. all for cash conservation, yes. according to the company. Well, switching gears here, Sin City turning into Sports City. There's been a surge in professional teams coming to Las Vegas and it's giving a big boost to business. Let's get to Contessa Brewer out in Sin City itself with much more. Contessa. Yeah, Melissa, you know, already the majority of the revenue for this town comes from non-gaming sources. Major League Sports are about to offer a much bigger slice of that. Now we're talking Major League Football, uh, Pro Football, uh, Basketball, Women's Basketball is coming to town, and also Hockey. Last night here at the Tebow Moore Arena, a packed crowd, standing room only. They went up against the Tampa Lightning in their first season, the Golden Knights are having a gangbusters, now tied for first place in their division. They're number one in merchandise sales, and their ticket prices are above the NHL average. It's not just hockey that is just getting this town so excited. Jim Murren, the CEO at MGM, which owns a stake in the T-Mobile arena, says he's ready to ante up on sports. If we learn anything about bringing the Golden Knights here, uh, people travel. Um, they'll come from New York, Boston, they'll come from the West Coast to go to Las Vegas to see their team play against the home team. And it's been, it's had a big impact on this neighborhood here. Uh, and I think it will have a big impact on Mandalay. 
Mandalay Bay owned by MGN. It's where its newest acquisition will play. The Aces, which is the WNBA team coming to town here. And Jim Murren thinks it's going to make a big difference to his bottom line, guys. All right, Contessa, thank you. Contessa Brewer in Las Vegas. Um, Casino stocks doing quite well today. Uh, this yeah, year. And, and if you look at Win, Win has outperformed. You, you see the uh, results year to date. It's up 95%. You, it is overbought on an RSI relative strength index right now, but it's been running overbought and it's been performing well. I would stay with that one. Uh, MGM is more domestic facing, so you could see that catch up a little bit, but I like winners, so I would stay with win. Reason to buy casino stocks, the, the Golden Knights? You don't watch hockey, so don't even I know that the Vegas Golden Knights. That's one of the many reasons. I mean, we, we were in Vegas with Mr. That's Wayne. Right. We Wayne talked Newton. about the stock was it had 90 handle. Now yeah. it's 150-something and still going higher from here. Valuation still compelling. I still like win. All right. Up next, final trade. Time for the final trade, Tim. The breakout chart in the oil services OIH is to be bought. Chairwoman. Yes, I think you got to buy some protection when they're giving it away. It's cheap. Plus, I think there is some inherent volatility in there if Bitcoin starts to really move the wrong way. Well, I just realized we've got an extra trader tonight for this oh, final trade. Yeah. 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 So, so the Dis- Disney Fox deal, <laughs> I think that people are going to start sniffing around all those other properties as well. CBS. We're actually okay on time, Beeks. All right. Well, so earlier this week, I pitched Litecoin as my next kind of big trade. That's weird. Uh, part of, well, yeah, right? So part of that thesis was that you had an engaged uh, uh, founder of it. I sold it today. Same with Charlie Lee. Name one hockey player. You don't have time, Mel. Sorry. Ben Wayne, ben Wayne Gretzky. Nice. Yeah, look at that. I'm Melissa Thanks for watching. Nice. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 5 more fast. Don't go anywhere. Mad Money starts right now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.